All right, everyone, welcome to the 19th episode of The Podcast Dude. My name is Aaron Dowd. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for joining me. I'm talking today, talking about dealing with room echo and background noise, so soundproofing and absorption for podcasters. So why does this matter? Well, I'm going to tell you. One of the ways to stand out from the other podcasts, tons of other podcasts out there, is to pay attention to sound quality. And one of the ways to get good sound quality is to have a great microphone and a quiet room to record in. Depending on the room you're in, you might hear echoes from your voice, either in the low-mid frequency range or in the high end, and echo becomes especially apparent if you're recording with a condenser microphone instead of a dynamic microphone, but I'm going to talk about mics a little, little bit more later in the show. So what's the problem? The problem is that background noise and room echo creates a poor listening ex- experience for your audience. They may get distracted from what you're saying or annoyed by the constant reverb, room sound, or the background noises. You don't want listeners thinking about the noises in the background of your track or the way that your room sounds. You want them to focus on your message, what you or your co-host or your guest is saying. So what's the benefit of investing in room treatment to solve these problems? Why spend the time and money? Well, eliminating background noise and room echo will give your recordings a more professional sound. It'll be more pleasing to listen to, and your audience won't hesitate to share it with their friends. So that's my goal for today's episode, is to help you get better sounding recordings by treating things like room sound reflections, echo, and background noises. So this is the 19th episode of the podcast, dude. Let's do it. All right, everyone. Welcome back. How about that music, huh? It's good stuff. So if this is your first time joining, my name is Aaron Dowd, and I am a podcaster who helps other podcasters. I currently work as the podcast editor for the amazing Sean West Network, seanwest.com slash network. Go check that out. But I do this podcast. This podcast is everything I've learned to help people make better shows because I love podcasts and I love listening to well-produced podcasts that sound great, have great content, great sound quality. And I noticed that a lot of people struggle with room echo and room sound. It's and background noises and and phones going off and people coughing, just all these things. I I wanted to do a show to kind of talk about this and explain it in a little bit in, in a way that people can understand and start taking steps and actions towards making their recording environment a, a little bit nicer, make it sound nicer. So first off, I got to talk about soundproofing versus sound treatment. So a lot of people will kind of use those words interchangeably, soundproofing and sound treatment, but there is a difference. Soundproofing means eliminating outside noises so they don't get picked up by your microphone. So this is normally done, say if you have a, a recording studio meant for recording music, people will create rooms by installing special sound absorbing fiberglass or mineral wool or other materials in the walls, in the floor, in the ceilings. So that's that's kind of soundproofing. And the idea here is to eliminate as much excess noise as you can, both outside and inside your room. And if you have a if you just if you're in a house like me, just an old wood frame house or an apartment, then chances are well, you'll know if you <laughs> if you have soundproof walls. I I don't. My walls are thin. Outside noise comes through my windows. 
not much I can do about that. But that being said, there are some things that you can do to control the sounds in your environment. And like for me, my house does not have central heat and air, so I have AC units everywhere. So I don't run those while I'm recording my show. If you have AC units, central heat and air, anything that makes noise in the background, turn that off while you're recording. Turn off notifications on your phone and your computer. That's a big one. I Well, I actually always have notifications, sound notifications turned off on all my devices. I don't like I don't like my devices making noise. Vibrate. But even vibrate can be annoying. <laughs> if you if you like me, if you have your phone on your desk while you're recording next to your computer and it goes that's that's a bad experience. So set your uh, set your phone to airplane mode, same with your computer, turn off the notifications. If you have pets, put them in a kennel or in a room far away from where you're recording. This came back to to bite me a couple times. I used to have an English bulldog with very long nails. <laughs> and there was one time I recorded a podcast and he was walking around and I have like fake hardwood floors, linoleum I think, and you could just hear this clickety 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 and it my microphone picked it up perfectly and it was really really annoying for the listeners and really embarrassing for me. So if you got a pet, make sure that they're not walking around making noise, barking, that kind of stuff. Uh, another thing you could do that I do is put up a sign to let people know that you're recording. Say you're recording in your office or in your in your study, in your house, just write on a piece of paper, put some tape on it and stick it to your door and say, hey, I'm recording a podcast right now. Do not disturb until two hours from now, whatever time it is. If you're like me and the doors in your house have a lot of space underneath them and there's noise going on in other places in the house, you can actually throw a thick blanket by the bottom of the door or if you have windows that aren't super soundproof, to reduce the noise coming from the outside, you can hang some thick blankets over that. That'll help a little bit. And Terrence had uh, had asked if it's better to only record in the winter. Um, no, you can't. <laughs> Terrence, stop being silly. So that's that's soundproofing, right? There's soundproofing is an art, and I'm gonna do I'm gonna do more research on it because I hope to someday either well, probably build some kind of recording studio in a house that I live in or maybe like a separate shed or something. So I'm going to do a lot more research about that. But don't need to get into that too much. So soundproofing. Now, sound treatment. Sound treatment is the other thing that people think of. This is most commonly associated with like installing, uh, what is it, egg egg crate foam, like those egg cartons. And So sound treatment is about treating the room to avoid annoying low or high-end frequency reflections, so room echo. And you can treat your room by adding things like sound-absorbing foam panels, bass traps, and sound diffusers. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more later. So let's talk about the different kinds of echo. And there's a couple different kinds of echo. First is standing waves. So this happens when the sound wave bounces off of one wall, and then another, and back, and it keeps going until the energy dissipates. And this is most common in low-end frequencies, but it can happen in the high-end frequencies as well. And too much energy in the low-mid-range frequencies is what will cause a track, a recorded track to sound muddy. It'll be that kind of whoa, 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 whoa sound that you'll hear. It just makes it kind of hard to understand what the person is, is saying. So I'm going to talk about treating that in post-production a little bit later. But the second kind of echo is what's called flutter echo. And this is a ringing sound caused by, also caused by sounds bouncing off of parallel walls. It's a little bit more towards the high end of the frequency range. So it's not, 
It's not quite as noticeable, but you'll hear it again in something like an empty bedroom where there's not a lot of stuff on the walls. Maybe there's hardwood floors. So going to talk about choosing the right room to recording because this is important. And it's not always something that we have control over. Sometimes the only place you can really record a podcast is, say, in like your, <laughs> well, talk about the, the room I used to record in. When I started recording with Sean McCabe, the Sean West podcast back in, when was it? August, late 2013. The room I recorded in was basically my dining room of my house. And all there was, there wasn't much in this room other than a desk that I kind of converted to a standing desk by stacking um, something like a coffee table on top of it. But there was not any other treatment or really much else in that room at all. And what I did to try to fix the reflections and make sure that it didn't sound too echoey was bring in some big couch cushions. And it worked a little bit, but it wasn't really that great. And what I ended up doing instead where I'm recording right now is in a spare bedroom of my house. And it's just a small square, more or less square room. It's a little bit rectangular. But uh, I did a few things to treat this. And one, I have carpet on the floor. And it's just like big room carpet. Basically, what is this, like a six by eight piece of carpet, not super thick. And then another like little runner that's about six feet long and two feet wide. So that helps a little bit. I built some sound absorbing panels. I'm going to talk about that more a little bit later. But this is still not a great room to record in. If I really if I really wanted to make it more ideal, I should hang up some more panels to absorb some of the frequencies that bounce off. Maybe do a little bit more diffusion. But I'm getting ahead of myself. The ideal room is actually going to be a room with quite a bit of stuff in it. Funny, funny, like, right? That's kind of weird. But if you have a study with a bunch of bookshelves, those will actually work really well for a, for absorbing and diffusing sound. Ideally, you do not have a big, empty, echoey room. If you can go with something small, a room with carpet in it, a room with some furniture in it, that'll be that'll be better. Joe Gilder from um, Home Studio Corner, he had, he had said something that I really liked that I wanted to quote. He said, pretty much every room has its own sound. When you walk in the room, there is an, an enormous amount of factors that control what that room sounds like. The size of the room, the materials that make up the room, the walls, any furniture in the room, all of these things affect the sound of that particular room. So something to think about. I don't have the answer because I don't know what your situation is, but think about the room you're recording in and try to find something that is more ideal if you can. Okay, so also, the kind of mic that you're using does matter. It matters a lot, actually. And there are several different kinds of mics. The two main mics used by podcasters are usually either dynamic mics or condenser mics. And I recommend usually that people use dynamic mics because the dynamic mics are less sensitive to background noise and reflections. But the downside to that is that they do generally require more power than condenser mics. So you'll need to invest in a good preamper interface. And I've recommended this the Scarlett 2i2 if you're just starting off. And I found that for the like the Shure SM58 dynamic mic works fine with the Scarlett 2i2. But the SM7B that I use and, and that a lot of people end up buying because it, it's a good mic, the 2i2 has just barely enough gain to power it. So it's 
it could not quite as good sound quality, a little bit, a little bit more noise than if you invested in something that had more gain and more power. You could also buy something like the the DBX two eighty six or another tube preamp, or in this case, I'm using the Scarlett eighteen i twenty, which is which is still a, a Scarlett interface, but it has eight inputs. It's powered by um, AC, so it's got a power plug versus the 2i2, which is just USB powered. So that's something to look into, but I just wanted to make you guys aware of that. Condenser microphones. Condenser microphones are more sensitive, so they pick up more detail. They sound really good, but the problem is that they, they pick up everything. So if you have a perfectly treated room with good acoustics, then a condenser mic will give you a really, really great sound arguably superior to a dynamic microphone. But if you're in a room that hasn't been treated or soundproof, you're going to run into problems because that mic is going to pick up all the reflections and all the echo and all the background noise and possibly even sounds that you aren't even aware of that are happening outside or in a different room. When I, I said earlier, when I started recording with the, the Sean West podcast with Sean McCabe, I was actually using a condenser mic. I was using the Shure PG42 which is a popular USB microphone. And it was a good mic, but I was recording in my dining room, which was kind of my office, so there was there was quite a bit of echo. And if I'd known back then what I know now, I would have sold the PG42 and switched to a dynamic microphone. Mic technique is another big part of how much room sound you get in a in your recording. The further away from the mic you are, the more of the room that you'll hear. And this also depends on how loud you talk. But I'm, I'm curious. I'm going to do a test real quick. If I sit back from the mic, I'm talking a little bit louder, so I bet the gain levels are the same, but I'm betting you're hearing more of the room that I'm in. We'll see how that works out. But I wanted to try it just to demonstrate. So that was me being about a foot away from my microphone. Right now, I am roughly three inches, four inches. So by getting closer... By getting closer, more of your more of your voice is going into the microphone, and there's less time for your voice to go out, bounce off of things, and then come back into the microphone. And possibly you won't. Well, I don't know how loud you talk, but <laughs> but how loud you talk will also depend. There's actually there's a good solution for treating that, but I'm going to talk about that a little bit a little bit later. Let's talk about treating echo first. Uh, I discovered something while I was doing research for this episode that is really cool, and it's something I had not heard of before, and I'm actually really excited now. <laughs> so I came across this thing called NRC. NRC stands for Noise Reduction Coefficient, which doesn't make s- <laughs> doesn't it is not obvious what that is. But basically, the NRC Noise Reduction Coefficient is a single number index. This is off of a website. Determined in a lab test and used for rating how absorb, absorbing a particular material is. People test various kinds of fabrics and materials, and then they give it a rating from zero to one. So zero is not sound absorbent at all. It's perfect reflection. And one is completely absorbent, so no reflection at all. So basically, if you've got a material like brick... They've tested this and they've shown it to be not absorbing at all. But this is really cool because then you can look at numbers. And I got a bunch of numbers here. I got a list of common materials and how sound absorbing they are. So this was kind of interesting to me. And 
if you go and you look at things like sound absorbing panels on Amazon, a lot of the times in the description, it'll actually tell you what the NRC number was. And I never knew what that was. It's like, because I'd never come across this before, but I wanted to to let you guys know, because this is cool. So carpet, carpet has a rating of 0.15 to 0.2, depending on how thick it is, I guess. So that's not very sound absorbing. It's a little bit sound absorbing. Um, Cork wall tiles that are one inch thick are 0.3 to 0.7. So those are a lot better. Uh, Say a drapery, lightweight, like 10 ounces, 0.05 to 0.15. So fiberglass, three and a half inch. I'm assuming this is the kind made for sound absorbing. It's 0.90 to 0.95. So it's, it's really, really high up there on the sound absorption scale. Zero, again, zero is no sound absorption at all, and one is total sound absorption. Uh, fiberglass, one-inch semi-rigid, 0.5. Marble, 0.0. Marble does not absorb any sound at all. Plywood is pretty low at 0.1. And moving blankets are 0.3 to 0.5. So this was just cool. I don't know. I was excited to learn about this. I like learning new stuff. So you guys have probably seen sound treatment stuff for sale online. Places like Amazon, Sweetwater, maybe even Guitar Center. So what about what about the other kind of materials that people commonly use to treat reflection and absorb echo? How how good are they? So I did some research, got some got some common things. Egg crates. Egg crates seem to be as far as what I what I found, they're they're pretty much worthless for low end frequencies, for bass frequencies, but they do absorb some sound in the mid and high range. And this is important to think about if you record a track and you notice that you have a lot of high end echo, but your but your low end your bass is pretty pretty clean. Then you need to get some you need to get some foam to treat that high end. I'll talk a little bit more about treating bass in a minute. So egg crates, not going to do anything for the low and the mid range, but or well the the low mids. But if you have high end reflections, that might be might be a way to go. They're kind of ugly though. I'd invest some money in foam. Another thing is portable sound shields, and the idea here I don't know if you've seen these before. But you basically have like a shield around the back of your microphone. It's often like a little stand that attaches to the microphone or a separate thing. But the idea is that it sits behind your microphone and it stops your voice from going past the microphone, bouncing off, going to a wall and coming back into your microphone. And you can buy these pre-made or you can make one yourself depending on you know how crafty you are. I might do that at some point. More likely, I'll probably just invest in one just to see, just to see how it works. I bet it worked pretty good. The idea is that it's like either some kind of plastic or wood backing, and then it's got foam around it, and just kind of wraps like a half circle around your microphone. So that can be that can be a probably one of the best, easy and cheap ways to reduce reflections from your voice from coming off of a wall and back into your mic. Furniture, furniture is can actually be really helpful. So bookshelves with a bunch of books in them, desks and couches, chairs. These can all help with sound absorption and diffusion, depending on the material they're made out of. Certain desks, if they're like flat, made out of glass, really long, not a lot of stuff on them, they're not going to help. <laughs> they're, they're basically going to be like a wall. So, But a, a good thick couch can absorb some bass frequencies, some high-end frequencies. So I said earlier, a room with a bunch of furniture in it and bookshelves can actually be a really good place to record. Blankets. Most blankets, again, they're only going to absorb the high-end frequencies. So that's not going to help 
if you have a lot of low mid-range rumble in, in your room. That being said, I think I'm actually going to invest in either some packing blankets or some phone because as I'm listening back to my track when I'm editing, I do hear a lot of the, the high-end frequency reflections in this room. So I got to treat that. Carpet can help a little bit, but as I mentioned, it, it doesn't have a very high NRC rating. So thicker carpet is better, but don't expect to get too much out of carpet. Base traps. Base traps. So these are usually frames, wood frames, with a lot of sound-absorbing mineral wool or fiberglass, usually at least three inches thick. I've seen them as deep as like, you know, a foot, two feet. These are great for absorbing those base frequencies that end up just kind of floating around a room and causing a lot of problems. They're very commonly placed in the corners of a room because for some reason, and I don't know the scientific reason, but for some reason, base tends to build up in the corners. So I've seen a lot of different kinds of base traps. You can buy these. You can make them yourself. I'll include some links to to DIY places in the uh, in the show notes. Sound diffusers. So sound diffusers are used to treat sound problems in a room, such as echoes. And they're a good alternative or complement to sound absorption because they don't they don't absorb or remove the energy from the sound, uh, but they can be used to reduce echoes and reflections while still making your room sound like a live space. So it's not going to completely deaden your room. It's just going to break up those the sound waves so that they don't build up on each other and cause problems in certain frequencies. So the sound, diffuser, the sound diffusers are designed to scatter or disperse sound by using irregular hard surfaces to break up and scatter the sound waves. So imagine a tabletop covered with pieces of two-by-fours standing up that are cut to various lengths. So some are really short, some are really tall, and they're all stacked together like randomly. And that's, that's what most sound diffusers look like. They're, it's just like a big panel, and there's all kinds of different depths. So what happens is when a sound wave comes to it, so it, it kind of gets all spread out. It goes in all different directions, which diffuses the sound, hence the name. So these can be really great. You can buy these online, or you can build them yourself. Probably a little bit more time-intensive. And they're also, they seem to be more expensive than the other kind of room treatment, things like acoustic foam or panels. But yeah, I'm going to get some of those. Okay, so acoustic foam. I said before, foam doesn't do anything to stop the low frequencies. It's a high-frequency absorber. So it's very tempting to throw up a bunch of foam to try to solve the problems in a room. But what you may end up doing is absorbing all the high-end frequencies and not getting the base and the low-end frequencies that are causing problems in your recording. So just be careful about that. But you can buy... There's all kinds of foam on Amazon. Oralex is a very common series. Runs about $100 for, I don't know, six by eight foot wall coverage, something like that. And I said before, DIY solutions, you can build a lot of this stuff. I actually built six, it's like two, two feet wide and four feet tall, uh, three inch sound absorbing panels out of this sound absorbing fiberglass that I just bought from a what store was it like a home depot or any home improvement store so i built a very simple wood frame put a very thin plywood backing on it and i I had them cut all these things at the store because i don't i don't own a saw and then i just inside of the frame i just put some of this fiberglass and then i wrapped it all with fabric and stapled the fabric to the back 
took me an evening with a couple of friends, and I've got six of these sitting up in my room on the different walls. And it helps a little bit. It's not it's still not great, but it helps a little bit. If I really wanted to if I really wanted to finish treating this room, I would put a bunch of foam on the ceiling and then I would put base traps in the corners. So that would that would be a lot better. But but since I'm using a dynamic Shure SM7B microphone, the room echoes not terrible, I hope. I don't think it's it's not bad. But I hear it especially when I boost the gain do some compression, that background noise really, really comes up. So it's something I wanted to treat. Okay, so last thing, I want to talk about fixing echo and noise in post-production. So it is possible to use an equalizer, an EQ, to remove or reduce certain frequencies. And one of the most common frequencies that I hear in recordings is 400 hertz. So that's kind of low mid-range. But it's it's kind of a muddy, a muddy, like... I don't know how to describe it, but it, it, if you cut a couple of dB from there, it'll clear up the sound of the track. But I've also, I've also, depending on the room someone's recording and their mic they're using, I've done, I've done cuts from anywhere from 200 hertz to, you know, I said 300, 400, 600, 700, 1200, just all the way up the scale. What you want to do when you're listening back is check for frequencies that really, really stick out or try to find the frequencies that sound like the room, which is, I should do, I'll have to do a screencast about this because it's difficult to kind of understand what I'm talking about until you've seen it. So I'll put that on my list of things to do. Um, oh, another thing that's really, really cool, Isotope. I talk about Isotope a lot, but they are coming out with a new version of their RX uh, it's not quite a plug-in suite, but it's actually it's like a a program in and of itself with some plugins that you can also add to your like Logic or Pro Tools. Uh, the RX RX five I have RX four I use it it's great RX five suite just the standard suite comes is going to come with a de reverb feature. So this is computer magic that will allow you to throw your track in this program and it'll cut out as much of the reverb from room echo from the track as it can. So this isn't cheap. It's the RX5 suite is going to be $300, but I think it's really really worth it if say maybe you're recording in a room that you can't do much treatment on or or if you want to be a professional podcast editor. I used to get tracks from people all the time with a ton of with a ton of room echo and reverb and they just they didn't sound good and so I would do as much as I could with an EQ, but I have a lot of faith in this, even though I have never used this de-reverb feature that's coming. Uh, the the plugins in RX4, the denoiser and the declipper, they work so well that I have no doubt that the the de-reverb feature in RX5 is going to be mind-blowingly good. Like it's going to be great. So I'm excited for that. I think it's coming in the next month or two. Of course, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna have to pay like a $99 upgrade fee to get RX5, and basically I'm paying $99 just to get that feature because most of the other features are roughly the same. But I'm excited about that. So one other thing, if you're having problems with buzzing or other electronic noise in your recordings, like a low end hum or kind of like a, zzz, <laughs> I've I've heard that happen before. You might have a problem with the power in your house, dirty power. Uh, try buying a Furman power conditioner and these run about $60. You can get them on, I think you can get them on Amazon or Guitar Center, some somewhere like that. Uh, plug your computer 
and your audio gear into the power conditioner, and that should solve the issue. Usually that solves the issue. If if you're still getting a weird if you're still getting a weird hum or buzz, then you may also have a problem with your microphone or your interface or one of the cables. I I've actually heard it's weird. When I plug my AC adapter for my MacBook into the wall and plug it into, you know, connect it to the computer, I can actually hear a buzzing sound coming from that power. So when I plug into my power conditioner, that buzzing goes away. So that's really cool. I just wanted to to let you guys know that's <laughs> those there's all kinds of places that buzz can happen. It's it's fun. Audio is great. All right, so I'm going to do a quick recap for wrapping up. I just want to say listeners notice sound quality and background noise and room echo is distracting for them. You don't want them to be distracted while they're listening to you. You want them invested in paying attention. So eliminate background noise before you hit record. If you have a noisy room or room with, room with a lot of echo and you can't treat it, then try recording with a dynamic mic instead of a condenser mic. Just know that if you're trying to treat your room, some materials are going to be more sound absorb- absorbent than others. So look up those noise reduction coefficient numbers before buying materials to help absorb the sound in your room. And it's possible to improve sound quality a little bit with post-production EQ, but it's better to fix the problems once and for all with sound treatment, sound diffusion, sound absorption, if you can. Okay, guys, that's going to do it for the show today. Thanks again for listening. I appreciate all of you. Ben, I love you too. You guys can find me on Twitter, Aaron. No, I was about to say Aaron at the podcast, dude. That's my email address. You can find me at the podcast, dude. You can send me email, Aaron at the podcast, dude. Let me know if you have any questions or feedback. I always appreciate it. If you could do me a huge favor, head over to thepodcastdude.com slash iTunes. I need to get some more sleep. Um, And lastly, go leave me a review. It's awesome. I'll read it on the air. promise. Uh, If you've been enjoying the show, join the Sean West community. Sean West community. It's it's full of great, awesome people. It helps support the show. We stream live. We have we stream our shows live, so we do these podcasts live on the air. So I've, there's 48 people right now in the chat listening to me, which is awesome. Thank you all for being here. I love you. We have seven shows streaming live this week. Seven shows. This thing's just exploding. Everyone everyone in the Shamas community helps support the network. We do not do ads. We don't believe in ads. We believe in providing value and talking with our audience and engaging with them and making friends and hanging out with people at conferences. <laughs> I just got I just got back from a conference. That's why I'm, if I sound a little bit tired. Anyways, so go check that out. SeanWest.com slash community. Terrence said that we don't believe in abs. No ads, no abs. Hey, I'm trying to get abs again. I'm running, running three times a week. SeanWest.com slash community. It's a great place. You're going to like it. I can say next week, I can tease next week episodes. I'm having a good friend and fellow Sean West, soon-to-be fellow Sean West podcaster, Corey Miller. He's going to come on the show. He's going to join me to talk about branding and artwork for your podcast. So he's he's starting his own podcast. It's going to be, they're starting to record shows this week, and it's going to be out in October. It's called Behind the Brand. You can go to BehindTheBrand.com. I'm really excited about this because branding is one of those things that is so, so, so important for podcasters. And so many people overlook it or they don't understand how to do it. So he's going to come on and share everything he's learned about branding. And 
we <laughs> we actually started a shared mind map in Dropbox, and I put in some questions, and he's already put in some responses and stuff that he wants to talk about, and I can already tell you it's going to be epic. So that's going to be great. All right, I'm going to, if you guys have any questions, post them in. If you posted one earlier, I'm sorry, I probably missed it. I'm going to scroll back and look. But, yeah. Okay, I already see one. All right. That's it. Again, find me on Twitter, at the podcast, dude. Thanks for being awesome. We'll talk to you guys in a minute. back. Did you guys miss me? I missed you. Got a couple of questions here to answer. Kelsey had asked, can you discuss room noise related to living near an airport and frequent thunderstorms? Yeah, that's, see, that's really hard. And I listened to a great interview with an audio engineer that had worked with bands like Led Zeppelin, and he, he builds recording studios all over the place, all over the world. And he's super, super into sound and sound treatment and sound absorbent. And he was talking about this too. It's really careful. And people that design and build studios take a good, long, hard work, look, work, take a good, long, hard look at location before deciding to start building something. So in this case, they will look at things like nearby airports. If, if there's a route, like in one situation, they realized that they had built a studio um, on top of a subway line, and those the low frequencies, even though the, the subway was, way, I, I don't know how far down below the recording studio was, there was still sound and frequencies being absorbed in the microphones from that subway line. And in the end, they just said, screw it, we'll deal with it because we really like this space and we like the acoustics. But there's only so much you can do. But that being said, there are things you can do if you want to get really crazy with it, what a lot of people end up doing, if they don't want to rebuild a whole house to be more soundproof, then they'll actually build, I think, what's called a, f- a floating room where they will build a frame inside of the, the the room itself, their garage, their study, wherever, and then basically build this frame, this box with sound-absorbing materials to, to kind of soundproof it and to make it less likely that noise from outside the room gets in. And then there's also things you can do with having different angles in your room to kind of help with uh, standing waves because parallel walls evidently are very, very bad (laughs) for recording audio in. So if you have walls that are kind of at an angle, then things don't, the frequencies don't build up on each other and you don't get as many problems as you would with parallel walls. So as far as, yeah, as far as dealing with airports and frequent thunderstorms, yeah, there's there's not any way to get around to the thunderstorm. Uh, if you got thunder going on in the background, this is where this is where post production can really help. The RX4 suite that I use the denoiser plugin, three hundred dollars, but 
it's magic for for treating stuff like that. You just slap it on a track and it takes care of ninety five percent of the background noise. It's it's miraculous. It's so great. I talk about it all the time because I love it. I wish I would have had it when I first started editing podcast. It would have been a lifesaver. But you just have to work with uh, with what you got. And, you know, try a bunch of different things. If you if you buy bass traps, if you buy sound absorbing foam, if you build some panels in your room, <laughs> you basically got to got to build a, a home recording studio. But at the very least, you could get one of those shields that attaches to your mic stand and wraps around the back. Because that may that may prevent maybe at least a, a quarter or half of some noise that you would otherwise record. So I'll include links to all this stuff, places you can buy this stuff. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard, especially for someone like me. Like my house is pretty old. I don't know when it was built. Probably like the 1940s. But the walls and the windows are not even close to soundproof. So if there was someone weed whacking in my backyard or someone cutting grass then you would definitely hear it, even though I have a dynamic microphone. Um, that helps a little bit. But condenser microphone, if I was using a condenser microphone, you'd, you'd hear my neighbors making iced tea. <laughs> That's how thin my, my walls and windows are. I've gotten used to it, but I, I care about recording good sound. So I, you know, I, I did things like sp- spend a couple, well, what was it, like 150 bucks and an evening to build the sound absorbing, absorbing panels that I have hanging in my room right now. And... I think when my roommate moves in, I don't know if I go if I told you guys that I'm getting a roommate. A good friend of mine's moving in. I'm going to be moving all my recording stuff into my bedroom. So having my bed in there and having my closet, which usually stays open, there's a bunch of clothes in there. I'll move some of these sound absorbing panels, uh, and I'll even I think I'm going to invest some money and get some uh, some foam to stick on the ceiling to help with reflections and high end frequencies. Uh, so hopefully, I will have even better sound in the future. So, but you gotta, you gotta work with what you got, do what you can, learn how to, learn how to EQ certain frequencies if they're a problem, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Terrence had asked, without AC or fans on, it gets hot in the room. And Terrence, I know you're in Texas, so I feel you. Trust me, I feel you. For podcasting, it's fine because you can't see the person sweating. But what about with video? I don't want to be drenched in sweat on camera. Any suggestions? Okay, first, Terrence, you do your video. We do. I do my podcast. You do your video for your audience. Are you sure that they don't want you to see you drenched in sweat? Just want to throw that out there. Are you sure? Um, no, but seriously, what you, one thing you can do is invest in a fan that is close to quiet or as silent as possible. They make fans that are specifically made to not be noisy. Like a $20 box fan from Walmart. I have one of those. It is noisy. I actually like it because it helps me sleep. Makes a lot of white noise. But you can you can invest. Oh, it looks like Corey in the chat. He's got a he's got a good quiet fan. And set it up. Uh Terrence, what kind of microphone are you recording with? Because if you if you have a dynamic mic that's um what is it, super cardioid or cardioid cardioid it's going to pick up whatever's in front. So if you set it directly behind your fan far enough to where you get the breeze, but not a bunch of air blowing directly on the microphone, a shotgun microphone. Yeah. So you set up a fan uh, to blow and, you know, and it depends. It depends on how far away your your if you have central heat and air, how far away your uh, AC unit is from where you're recording, how loud the vents are. 
you know, how much noise floor your microphone has. Hang on a second. I'm going to turn on, I'm going to turn on the AC unit in my room and I want to see if you guys can hear it. That's my chair thumping on the ground. Do it live. Because it is. So this AC unit, it's, um, it's not directly behind my microphone, but it's about one, maybe like two o'clock from my microphone, about four feet away. So I don't know if you guys can hear that, but if I, I wonder, if I recorded to where my microphone was pointed almost directly away from the AC, it might, it might not pick up the majority of the sound from the AC unit itself, but I bet you that the, the sound waves are bouncing off the walls and coming back into the microphone. So Justin says, yeah, he can hear it. So you can hear it. And it, it's just barely noticeable. And I, what I actually can do is fix it in post-production with like either an expander or maybe a high-pass filter or like my arcs for dialogue denoiser, all those things. But it's just better, it's better to not have this, especially if you're streaming live, it's better to not have this stuff going on in the background. But yeah, podcasting in Texas during the summer is really, really hard. And <laughs> I started, um, I don't remember when I started, but it got pretty hot in here. Especially for video, if you're doing video, yeah, getting all sweaty, kind of gross. I don't know. Your audience might like you. you're a good you're a good looking guy, Terrence. So I'd watch. Um, I'm gonna invest in a good fan for next time too. Hang on, let me turn this off. Yep. Okay. So I hope that uh, hope that answers your questions. I think that's gonna do it for the show today. Excuse me. Thanks everyone for hanging out. I will see you all. Sorry, I keep saying that. I'll talk to you all next week. I'll see everyone in the chat next week. Bye-bye.